right, we are, we're back. Three weeks in a row now. It's like a winning streak. Radio Zwift, and we've got some more guests with us this week. Project Echelon, we've got Eric Hill and Frank Cundiff with us. How are you, how are you guys doing? Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having us. Doing, doing, doing well, doing, doing just like the, the rest of the world is, trying to stay, stay ahead of things, stay motivated, stay positive, keep our head up, right? Yeah, uh, we've got our, our co-hosts along for the ride as well. Uh, Kevin, we're always interested in, you did a real time trial this week though, today. Yep, we just got back from a real outdoor time trial. It was, it was, it was great. Yeah, was it, it was it like was it like doing the one on Swift? Um, no, because now I have to care about being arrow. So I spent all my time uncomfortable generating less power than I would otherwise. Uh, but I went fast, so I'm very happy about that. Excellent, excellent. Mike Swart. in your races, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad to be outside where I can actually be fast and Zwift. I'm I'm smoked. Beautiful. And Mike Swart uh, from Wisconsin. How are how are things behind the cheddar curtain this evening? Doing okay. The state of the mask mandate. Oh yeah, we're just, we're in it just now. Happened today. So yes, it did. So I also did the fake time trial today. I set no course records on like Kevin or anything like that. But were you very arrow as the fan blew over you? No, okay. no, <laughs> not arrow whatsoever. Uh, so Eric and Frank, the reason we wanted to have you guys on is you guys have been making things happen in this really bizarre, weird 2020 that we lived in, you know, and getting some people together to race. Um, so can you just go briefly into kind of what you guys have been doing and putting together in the, uh, the, the world of Watopia? Yeah. Um, Frank, can I start with like the Genesis story and how it came to be and, and then how we came to be? Awesome. Um, so for those of you that don't know, Project Echelon is a veterans nonprofit organization uh, that educates, equips, and empowers veterans through physical activity. Um, and we also have an aligned elite pro cycling team uh, that races the PRT, USA Crit Series, and then internationally as well. And we use that cycling team as a means to promote and grow our mission, to work with our industry partners, to make the sport more accessible to our veteran community. Um, and we have seen exponential growth year over year. Um, and then COVID-19, right, came to be. And um, we started asking ourselves, how do we make our, our mission and vision uh, stay alive? And how do we actually continued the growth that we've had for the last five years. Um, especially when racing in communities, engaging in communities, doing visits to the VA um, is our major means of growth. And so uh, we decided that uh, using virtual platforms was a wonderful way for us to do that. And it started very archaic uh, using meetups on, on Zwift and just inviting, um, you know, friends and, uh, competitors from across you know across the country different teams to come in and join us in these meetups we put three of them together called it a stage race um had i mean it was to the point where people were having to take screenshots of their finish times and submit it to me in a google form and then i had to go in and look at all those screenshots and calculate everything out but it was fun um and it's exactly what people wanted uh they needed that sense of competition they needed that sense of connectivity they needed that inspiration in our veteran community um 
they they were excited about it too because um, they look to us as a source of motivation. They look to us as a source of knowledge and they wanted to see us competing too. That's what gets them out the door every day. And uh, after the first event that we did, more and more people were saying, can, can you do another one? So we did and we, we screen recorded that one. We sent highlights to Brad Soner. He did a voiceover at the same time he was doing the, the tour de quarantine. Um, and we got that, like over a thousand views on YouTube. It was like, holy smokes, like we actually have something. Why don't we try and do an actual Zwift event? Um, and so I, I'm lucky enough to have a personal relationship with, uh, with Nathan Guerra at Zwift Community Live. And um, I reached out to him and asked him, hey, what needs to happen? He said, Zwift is overloaded. I don't know if this is gonna work. I said, hold on, give me a minute. So in a week's time, I contacted all the teams I knew, contacted all the race directors I had personal relationships with and said, I wanna put on a premier professional event highlighting some of the best teams in the country on your courses in your name. Um, and I promised them that I'd be able to do it on Zwift and we would have media coverage before I had any of it in mind. <laughs> and they said, cool, do it. So I got their permission and then I went back to Zwift and I said, hey, I have everything you want. I have professional racers, I have professional courses and, and race promoters, and I have guaranteed media coverage. Can we do this? And they gave us the go ahead and Zwift Community Live was a wonderful um, advocate and conduit for us. And uh, from that came the Redlands Bicycle Classic. And that's kind of when Frank came into the fold as a competitor um, on the uh, Support Queen Sport Guten Plan team. Um, and it was an extremely successful event. We just did a one day crit on a Friday night and then uh, came back and we did a one day road race. They were separate, it wasn't a stage race format. We were still getting our toes wet, but it was a huge success and we had a really large following and people were excited about it. Um, it was a men's only event. And after that, uh, Frank, whose uh, girlfriend is an extremely talented Swift racer, reached out and said, you know, one, I want, my, I want my girlfriend to experience this. Two, we need equity in the sport. Can I help you in some way? And so Frank, I'll, I'll let you jump in here and uh, we can talk about how we, how we move forward with Gila and uh, Joe Martin after that. Yeah, so, you know, I, um... I've put on real life events and, and I've run USA crits teams and, um, cord, you know, coordinated teams for virtual events. Uh, I was lucky enough to have Kevin over here, uh, as part of my squad for, for the events that he was slow at. And, um, and, uh, um, yes, I reached out to Eric and, and a big thing was, you know, um, my girlfriend, she never raced before, uh, this year. Um, she's super competitive and talented and was riding on Zwift and, and doing well on Zwift. And we are looking through the events thing and there was no, there weren't a lot of women's only races, right? It was like categories A, B, C, D, and then E was just all women jump into this event and have fun. And, you know, it's like your, your open category crit, you know, and that's not, and no one wants that. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I started trying to, dive into my contacts I had um, to see how I could get a women's series going. Um, and we had a, a big Zoom call um, with uh, Eric and Redlands and USAC was on it and a couple other people about how we could go about doing this. And um, on that call, it was just one of those, 
Eric didn't have a women's event and he, you know, he was like, I'm a one man band right now with this. I, I just don't have the bandwidth. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll join you and, and run the women's event. And he was like, sounds great. Let's do it. Um, and then from there, you know, we, we were able to, between the two of us, expand it out to a proper stage race, have KOM competitions, sprint competitions, and really just try to formalize that stage race format in a virtual setting. Um, really, I mean, I don't, it truly grassroots the way it came up. Um, and, and it's been really awesome to see with, with no prize list, with no race entry, just really just slap it together and, and hope it runs well. See not only how great the communities come around to support it, but how excited they've been to compete in these races and, and how competitive they can be in these races. Man, we, we started from literally meetups with 50 people and being excited about fill, filling a, a field of 50 by Joe Martin turning away over 20 teams, um, having a world champion, having multiple national champions um, competing, and having 11 international teams um, participate in the race. It was unreal and totally unprecedented. And uh, like Frank said, it just came from our passion for the sport. Um, and, uh, and we just, we happen to make a good team. So it, it worked out well. Plus we have a shared uh, interest. You know, Frank is a veteran himself. Um, he's a Navy veteran and we're a veterans organization. And so that shared passion um, definitely drives us forward as well. So you guys ran uh, the Redlands, Joe Martin. And Tour of the Gila. Tour of the Gila, yeah. So, and those were like progressive. And I think you had the last one was when you had all those teams. Do you know about how many people you had all together that were participating? Yeah. Um, you know, we, between the, the men's and the women's field, uh, we had roughly 240 riders. Uh, yeah, it, it was, you know, unbelievable. And it was right in that sweet spot where the field sizes allowed for really dynamic racing still. Um, but it also allowed for, uh, a large participation pool, um, both of, of which was, you know, was our goal. You have to have a certain level of exclusivity in order for your events to be premier events. Um, but you also, um, you, you know, you want to make it accessible and you want to have a broad field so that you can make it international and global and we achieve both of those things. Yeah. So can you, how did the selection process go? I mean, you mentioned that you got more teams than you knew what to do with. Uh, so, you know, what were you going for and how were you trying to fill out those fields? It, the, the mission at the onset was to create a platform for um, elite and pro North American teams to race and compete, to highlight their athletes and to highlight their sponsors. We know that um, without racing, for most teams, uh, there isn't a platform for them to do that work, which means that there's no guarantee they're going to be back next year, right? Um, our organization is lucky in that we have a mission behind ourselves that we can do work through and show our value to the community and our stakeholders. Not every team has that. And, and that's okay. Not, every, not saying every team needs to have that. But um, we knew that some teams would certainly be in trouble if they didn't. And so we wanted to guarantee something for them and that they could show their work and their talent. Um, similarly, we, we wanted to do the same for race promoters. Um, 
they have sponsors, they have stakeholders, they have communities that they need to highlight um, that open their doors to them. They open their po pocketbooks to them year in and year out. And so um, we wanted to be able to highlight them as well. Um, so with that in mind, we went to uh, teams that have invested time, money, and energy into being professional domestic elite or USA crits teams. Um, teams that are 100% dedicated to racing the circuit. And we made them our primary focus to, to having entry into those races. Um, and then we went to the, <laughs> yeah. because you, you, you got in because, uh, Guten plan doesn't like Zwift. Um, and I really hope he hears this and, and, uh, put me in charge. Cause I, I like virtual racing. I like, I like the gaming aspect of it. Um, and, uh, I needed racers and I know you from, uh, I won't, you know, giving a shout out to, uh, Mikey Martin and, and Carlo and them from traveling around in telly with them. Uh, you know, I did just, uh, I knew you guys raced and I know through this podcast and through, um, your live streams that you, uh, didn't really have a team to race with. And I know Frank Thiel, who does race with, uh, with your team, um, who, who lives down, the, you know, not far from me. And, and I used to race with him quite a bit in real life. Uh, so yeah, I, I figured good people deserve, uh, good times. Well, I, I, I appreciate it because I, so when my family is originally from Redlands, uh, like my parents, all my extended family, like going way back. And my brother, Derek raced Redlands all through the nineties. And I was, you know, middle school and high school and my parents would fly out, uh, to watch Derek race and visit family. So it was like a, a regular trip. I've, I've watched Redlands a gajillion times as a kid. And I finally got to the point where I raced it for the first time in 2004 when, as like a guest of the national team. And uh, then, you know, other stuff happened. And I, my, my very last race as a pro was in 2006 with Kelly Benefit Strategies. I did Redlands and I had an okay time trial and just got crapped out the rest of it. And I was like, yeah, I got into PT school. I'm not going anywhere in cycling. I'm, I, I left the team and never went back after that. Um, so when we could do virtual Redlands again, it was kind of cool. I was like, hey. I, and I have, this has a history to me. Now I'm doing, well, I mean, it was obviously the courses aren't actually Redlands or anything like that, but it felt like it was a, it was a collectively, you know, what you put together that I was doing a race with other pros that would have been a Redlands and it was kind of neat. I, I appreciated it. And I definitely enjoyed sharing it with family and friends and, and doing that. I, I think between that and, um, and then, you know, we, we held actual managers meetings, um, you know, uh, the, the Tuesday before the race, the race would start on Friday. Um, we had required managers meetings where they came in, uh, we had the, the real race promoters, uh, do a welcome message. Uh, we gave them an opportunity to say thank you for their participation and also to talk about the 2021 race. Um, and we went through the race Bible. We talked about the rules, the regulations, the expectations, the whole deal. And so that added a, a, a real life element to the virtual races that for a lot of people that, um, they hit home and, and it gave them a sense of normalcy and connection that they were, they were looking for. Wait, can I ask a question really? Oh, never mind. I was going to derail this. I, I'm going to ask when you were doing Redlands, were you wearing any of Derek's kits for old time's sake? 
I thought about it. I have that big box of all his old clothes. So that, yeah, I, I, what did I wear? I think just regular bullet show stuff, but, but like, yeah. But I was going to say is like, as a competitor in that series, the way you didn't know is that like, yeah, there was a race Bible. There was a meeting before Frank was disseminating the information to us. And like any cycling team that you existed and we'll go into more story. This is that he's trying to tell this information some of the people are taking it seriously and reading everything and the other people are totally oblivious to this and they don't know what's going on they don't know when they need to show up they they it's like the race time and they're like i've never opened swift before how do i find the race you know it's like oh my god you know and then i know one of the races you try to do a, a moment of silence and a, and a wait the race start and wait and then you know 10 people take off and you know and all the things that you these things would happen well i mean not you would most people do a moment of silence but like all the things that you know the bike would happen in real life happened what happened in real life you know people are like can't figure out technology in real life and 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 they're asking all these writers to do all these things and it was kind of hilarious that watching all that stuff but like you know like in you know in terms of transparency too like you want to make sure that people were doing a weigh-in picture and setting that in and and there was i don't know if there was other verifications but i felt like an attempt was made to get rid of some of the riffraff uh and 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 it did feel like you know we were just missing like a hotel lobby but it did it did feel like a real race it was great well and and i think you know part of the part of what helped make it feel like a real race even though it was on zwift and you know the it's what what i think makes these races different than your typical zwift companion event that you just sign up for and, and go race was the exclusivity of it right it, you're lining up with people you recognize the names you recognize the teams and they're people that you would line up with throughout the year um at races so you know if uh cormac McKeough goes up the road at nine watts per kilogram at the beginning of the race you're like mm, yeah there's there's probably something going on there you know there's it adds a little bit of a verification you're not racing against a bunch of z power bros that uh blow the race up from the gun well, I've always thought that's kind of a double edge that I agree in that, you know, when you see James Pickley or whatever, like, you're like, yeah, they're the, that's a real deal. Those are the dudes that should be doing that. And that's awesome. But you also sometimes things are so, we just don't know how accurate things are. So like, sometimes people get a, a pass and you're like, well, we know that guy is good. So it's probably fine, but it's like, probably not that good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Reoccurring theme, right? So I, uh, I was going to ask, I mean, you, you mentioned a lot of these real teams um, showing up to Zwift and people not knowing how to open up the application and stuff like that. One of the guys I've always looked up to racing here locally told me once, like, for some people, just getting to the race with their bike is like a win. Yeah. <laughs> so I can see the same thing playing out on Zwift too. Do you have any, like, takeaways from bringing a bunch of people in cold to this platform that you'd like to share or stories or anything? I think the, um, you know, we, we, we did run into some hiccups with Redlands. There were, were definitely power drops. There were some e-mechanicals, we'll call them. Um, it, it was just funny the number of, you know, protests or, or claims of mechanicals that I got post-stage saying, can I start tomorrow? Um, my mom called, my Wi-Fi dropped. Oh. Yeah, right, right. Um, so, you know, but I, I think the biggest thing we saw with Hila because we had the team time trial was take it seriously, go and pre-ride the course, like use things like discord, um, before you actually have the event. Uh, so I have a, go, I have a story go, about the team time trial. 
yeah, go go and ride the go and ride the course ahead of time. Um, treat treat it like treat it like a real race. It's your opportunity to actually build community with your with your teammates, um, even in a virtual setting. And a lot of teams took advantage of that as the series continued and went on. And by the time we got to Joe Martin, uh, there's pretty good cohesiveness across the peloton. I want to hear Kevin's, I want to hear Kevin's TTT story because that was my team that he was, he's going to talk about. So I was supposed to race and, and, and that I said that I was going to, and like right around that time, like the stress of COVID got to me, you know, I'd been laid off. My wife was moved jobs and was working in the ER through, through all this, seeing COVID patients every single day and the kids being home and trying to homeschool the whole thing. Like everything crashed. I couldn't train. I, I felt sick. Ter- everything was terrible. So I, I was like, I can't race. I just can't do this, um, but I'll, I'll try to help. So I said I would be the team car for the team time trial. And we go to do the time trial. Immediately, someone's like, doesn't know how to sign in and can't get in. You know, so there was half, how many guys have like eight people or something? So I dropped out. We, the person who get the replacement couldn't figure out how to like open Zwift and find the events and do the things, you know, all the things that were told to him, but it required reading and attention and, and any kind of, any kind of thought at all. And then, and then I think someone on the line, he broke his chain, right? And then we, we started oh, and the guy he broke his chain. Right? Broke, and then he, <laughs> broke, he broke the, he has a Wahoo trainer. Broke in the, the flywheel. Now. Yeah. Yeah. And then no, my favorite, my favorite was you talk about getting to the line is a win. My favorite. And then anyone who races USA crit uh, knows this as a, it's guaranteed to happen. And I love the guy to death and I don't mean it as an insult to him, but gut texted me two minutes into the race and I was like, where are you guys at? I'm here. And I was like, no, you're not. We're all, we're racing. And he goes, I'm on the start line. I was like, I don't know what race you're in, but you're not in our race. Um, and, and it's, it's funny because that's how he shows up at USA crits also. Uh, yeah, but but I, I was in the team car and I led the the I think everyone then we got together and we did a good job of like getting cohesive and I think the team did really well with who was actually made it. I, was it five of us? I think four of us. Yeah, it wasn't you guys didn't have any room for error, uh, and and that was a hard course you put together. That that climbs hard in the TTT. It was a, that was a hard course. It's un- It's kind of like it sneaks up on you, and it's a little bit longer than you want. And then you get in the descent, and if you if you peter out over the top, you get gapped and you're gone. And there's a couple hard rollers later that you can that if someone's feeling really good, they can just crap out the rest of your team. So uh, yeah, it was a, that was a good one. So with these events, you know, you guys had a, a variety of of events that chose to to be sponsors. Did you try to? Was there some attempt to kind of match the Zwift courses with the I guess the the vibe of the respective races. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we we asked them. Most of those races are are four or five days long. We asked them, you know, which which races are the premier races that you want us to to be able to feature, um, and then that you would like our announcers, Dave Toll and and Nathan Gerard, to be able to speak to. And we worked with them to put together talking points about the venues, um, about the communities, about the races themselves. And so they were able to talk about it from two perspectives. Nathan knows, uh, you know, the Zwift course is like the back of his hand. Um, I mean, he knows every up and down, every super tuck, every, I mean, everything. And then Dave, you know, he's been on the North American circuit for long. I mean, as long as I've been alive, probably, I don't know, but he's been on it for a minute. Right. 
And so to hear them be able to say, hey, this climb is kind of like this climb, or you know, uh, this technical section is, is where a break often goes in the sunset. Like that, it was really cool to hear that dynamic and we absolutely worked together with the race promoters to, um, to, try, to try to match that up to a degree. I wish as a competitor, knowing a lot of those races, I wish there was, there isn't a way for Swift to do this, but it'd be nice at some point if you could make custom courses where you could go out and do a big loop and then finish with a bunch of circuits, right? Like go do a hard loop and then, and then you race on Volcano CCW or for the last, you know, 30 minutes, like make, it would make it pretty interesting if you could do that. It's something they're, they're working on building. I can tell you that right now. Well, uh, so you mentioned like um, the elite level of teams that were coming into this. And I know like I watched some of these and they were the final groups uh, or the final selections in all of these were some pretty, pretty stout competition. Studs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So did you have to deal with a lot of fallout from people being like, oh, I can't believe this Swift is fake or whatever? Because some of those guys, I mean, not that, I mean, I, I race the community stuff. I see it all the time. And, but there are some beast people out there and yeah. No, there, there was definitely that fallout to a degree. I think people really truly appreciated the opportunity to compete and connect with their competitors more than they, uh, than they disliked that that feeling right like they just the opportunity to be there was enough for for most um but there's an element of of knowing the game too right like i it came out in the velo news article with chloe diger um there was a frustration there with how that time trial happened um and to a degree you know she is one of, i mean she's definitely one of the strongest women in the world there's no doubt about that right but the way that the, the race was raced um People that knew the platform better did better. Um, and not saying that there, there couldn't have been or whatever, I'm not validating anything, but you have to know the game and the way the game plays out um, is, is just as important as the strength as well, right? Like I'd have higher watts per kilo at the end of a race and be in the second group still than half the people in the first group. Um, and it's just because I, I, I've never been a video gamer. I still own regular Nintendo in my basement. That's it. Um, and so I don't understand some of those nuances the way other people do. Yeah. And I'm, I'm certainly not trying to be negative or anything, but I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of times people jump into these things. And I remember like when Corey and the Legion guys were just getting started, it's like they were still learning the platform and learning how to race. And they had started a few months before that. But by the time that we got to the echelon races that you guys were putting on, they had figured it out and were there all the time. What Mike is trying to say is that he was smoking Corey Williams in sprints. Uh, true story. <laughs> he didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Mike is getting at here. <laughs> I don't want to be the shade guy, but I have one more little story to say. So the, the guys that are the best at Zwift are the... Uh, the Saris Pro Closet guys. Those guys are experts. They're really good. All of those dudes are good. It's an expanded team. Those guys know how to play. They're really, really strong. And, you know, when we did the Redlands crit, Holden Camus won over the Williams brothers, uh, or what uh, it was Corey Williams. And, like, obviously, in a real life, in a crit, Corey is insane. And he's going to win because he does everything better than everyone. And Holden, Holden is 
is a stud and a beast and he can throw down a sprint watt on a trainer like almost nobody else and that's his jam and that's really awesome and also they have another teammate uh ryan larson he has incredible numbers he was a runner i don't know anything else about him i know he's very little um and uh and he i think he almost won or nearly won the overall one of those races yeah but i heard he did his like first ride outside of the year and he crashed and broke his collarbone right like you gotta laugh a little bit. Like uh, these guys are so good inside, and they go outside and they have to turn, they fall and break break something. It's like, well, that's what makes Corey Williams really good, is that he does all the things that. Sorry, Ryan, I don't know you. I'm not throwing shade at you, uh, but it's a little funny. Sorry. Well, you know, I think it's I think it goes towards you know what I've been you know when I talk with real life bike racers, they're like, Zwift is stupid. You know, I'm not doing it because it doesn't. It's not the same as riding outside. And, and I, you know, I try to sell that point, right? Like e-racing, whether it's Zwift or Be Cool or RGT or whatever, Ruby, yeah. Um, but, but whichever platform you're racing on, right? Like e-racing is not road racing. It's not crit racing. It's not cyclocross, right? It's its own discipline and it's its own entity in and of itself. Oh, I'm and on your page. I, I and there's a, right. And there's a lot of overlap there. And, you know, I think it's funny when talking about throwing shade um someone who got uh eric was alluding to earlier through you know in her post-race interview after the time trial threw a lot of shade at the women's field you know uh and in the frustration was there i you know we could all see it right we were all racers we we know that feeling um and and my own teammate i was that guy i was so frustrated (laughs) in the race like my god what is going um, on? I should be better than this. He, and, you know, and then if I, he, I if, was a jerk to my own teammates because I can't accept my faults. He, Kevin, what Kevin's telling you is he dropped out of the Discord mid race, cut, cut it off, I like pulled some, his earplug out of the ear. And I, I rage quit out of the Discord. <laughs> Wait, which race was this during? Joe Martin, the crit. It was during the crit. I'm, I'm, I am not a saint and I am not perfect. But I think one of the one of the great things about virtual racing, right, is um, you can bring the real life pros into this new discipline and let them get the experience in there and experience it and and get those frustrations. But it also it it's such a significant lower barrier to entry that you get all these other people coming in. And, you know, we had some E, you know, some Zwift team. Uh, some e-racing teams come in and do the races like Sarah's Pro's Closet and uh, Revo. And, um, you know, they're like, yeah, you know what? Those people never raced a bike in their, some of them have never raced in a mass start bike race in their life. But, you know, the... I think they should be there. That was a good call. I'm glad you guys and, did that. And I think it, it kind of shows, you know, the nicheness of bike racing, right? Like, yeah, we have astounding athletes within our sport but our sport is so small that there are many, many, many other great athletes out there that also pedal bikes. Yeah. And I think America in particular, we're not great at spreading the net wide enough for the talent that's out there. We're like, you know, why Europeans dominate so much for a plethora of reasons, but one of which is that more people bike. So they get a bigger percentage of the, of the population where the United States, it, you know, you have to be injured runner. We talked about this last time. Injured runners are the ones who end up getting <laughs> bike racers. That's and my like, story. And yep. that's why, and that's why, you know, Zwift is great is that it is accessible. You know, you can just pop on and you don't have to travel anywhere, especially like, you know, I would just listen to the, uh, Bill Shike in, uh, 
CX radio um, with Sonny Gilbert, and she talks about drivable distances. And if you're out west, you know, from race to race or gargantuan drives, you know, like New England, it's everything is pretty short. It's easy to get from race to race and see lots of people, but that's not true out west. Uh, so, you know, like in Swift, there isn't that. The travel is instantaneous as long as you can figure out where your Swift icon is. Yeah, I think that was that that was the greatest part about you know racing virtual Gila, right? I didn't have to go to New Mexico and yeah. Why didn't you make a straight breathe through a straw? I feel I feel like I know I know we, we, we should have weigh in. We needed to we be need the, a dry, the like a little tiny straw. So but speaking I, of I, drivable distances, um, tour of Gila, the winner was Sar or the overall winner was one of the Saras Pro's closets guys, right? Um, Gavin Dempster. He got the, and he is in, gosh, I'm going to say it. He's across the pond. Nor I, believe in Nor <laughs> I believe in Norway. I think Gavin's English because through some personal, through some team connections, I know that he's in England with a, another teammate of mine. Um, and full disclosure, my team, the power dropouts was denied three times in a row by Eric. We were. Unfairly. We were. <laughs> oh wow! Wow! <laughs> no, I gotta say no, but no, I I really appreciate like what you guys are trying to do with getting the real teams in there and everything. Give, I I can totally respect that. Um, I wanted to go into also like because Gavin won. You have a guy that I I know he actually races, um, where he's at and everything, but something somebody on a virtual team competing against everybody else and like SARS pro, pro closet guys like like Kevin said they're they're all great they're super strong they know the game better than everybody else uh did they kind of I got the impression that they kind of helped you organize this and like helped out the other teams a little bit we again you know our, my genesis story um I I needed to make things happen that weren't that I was told was impossible um, and I knew in order to do that, I had to have people in my corner that were already in the know and had the access. Um, and so Swift Community Live was that, and SARS the Pros Closet was a great advocate for me as well. Um, and so between that and then them having a mutual sponsor in SARS to us, um, it, you know, it, it, was, it was an in-kind invitation. Um, but I also think that, you know, one of the things that Nathan said in saying, I want to help you guys is that I can't, I can't completely remove myself from the community that got me to where I am today. I need, I need that presence there and we need to give, we need to have those stakeholders involved as well. And one of my, my goals, meaning Nathan's goals was to close the gap between in real life racers and virtual racers. Um, you know, not to completely close it because they are two totally different disciplines, but to have us, to allow us to have greater respect for one another so that we can actually truly grow the sport as a whole um, by doing so. It's a good storyline too. You know, the guys are like basically the professional Zwifters racing the professional road cyclists. I, I told, I told Frank, it was like uh, back in the day, Notre Dame versus Miami, the Catholics versus convicts whole, I don't know if you've ever seen the, the 30 for 30 that was on that from um, ESPN. But there's a rivalry between Notre Dame and Miami. And in the 80s, it was known as the Catholics versus convicts rivalry. 
Um, and so it was like, ah, oh, the, the esports versus the real life racers, like just this really deep, you know, kind of uh, misunderstanding of each other that created a rivalry that, you know, really wasn't there for any reason aside from that. We, so the question is, when do we get the Zwift racers racing Corey at Redlands? That's right. Uh, to finish the story. I mean, the thing is, half of those guys are Cat 5s. Like, I mean, there's just at, at 35. I, I have friends. They want to see this. I know. Yeah. I, I, under, I get it. At, at, but at 30, you know, well, here's the thing. Like, Joe Martin, we, uh, we awarded real-life leaders jerseys to teams that participated and won the sprint, the KOM, and the, um, and the, the overall. And, um, you know, Jordan Shane won the overall from KHS Elevate and a very, you know, rightful winner of that. But we're like, man, what, what if, what if, Sar, like, Sars, like, are they in the lead? Do they get an automatic invite and upgrades from Cat 5 to Cat 1 and do a, start a UCI race? So be in the, in the leader's jersey, like, what's going to happen here? And uh, you, you stack, uh, do like select a quest, uh, uh, like categories, they changed everything and just kind of say what you are up to a certain yeah. point. You know, I think I think what we're getting at here is obviously, Eric. There's another venture we can can look at doing in another year or two, which is invite only open races. Invite only open races. I mean, essentially, but but invite only, invite only. So you get the you get to bring those Wift racers into the real life to race against the Legion and against Elevate and. Yeah, I think we got our hands full, Frank. Already, we're we're not we're not starting another Fine one. way of saying no. I mean, I feel like like that, you know, like Lionel Sanders would be the same thing. If you throw him in that crit, it would be terrible. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, come on, he's, he's so done a triathlon. We know before. he is. Like, <laughs> oh, I've, well, I mean, he's probably better now. I've listened to podcasts with him. He himself has said that like when he there was some it was like the World Championships in Germany or some course that he was on had like two turns in it, and he got like blown off and got lost trap because like he couldn't turn the two times uh so he, it would be pretty funny him in a crit but like clearly he's as legit as it gets in terms of that athlete so i know one thing that mike has uh you know not that he's bitter or anything this this quest to get the the jersey the team jerseys uh and so you know i i guess i'm curious for some more of like how you made this happen behind the scenes because i mean these guys have talked about just how difficult it is to to get stuff going i mean you know, what were some of the things that you had to finagle? Like, did the teams all have their own jerseys? They didn't. No, we, um, you had to finagle. To the point where <laughs> we, we, we were using cheat codes to get teams in their own unique jerseys. Now the jerseys were not their, their actual jerseys, but there was as close of a match as we could come up okay, with. I like right? this. So, I like this. Yeah. Um, I mean, so we were using cheat codes so that, you know, uh, tag um cycling out of canada which is a fluorescent they have a fluorescent kit could get in the fluorescent camo kit you know um some of their guys were like level threes and it's a level 19 kit it's like well how are they going to get that we, so um we the it was quite interesting the support clean sport guys we were in a slow twitch jersey if anyone's aware of the slow twitch uh right yeah so, so there, there was a lot, there were a lot of workarounds. I mean, even results, right? Like um, Zwift Power does a wonderful job of collecting results and posting it for a single event, but there's nothing for multi-day. Yeah, how did you do that? Like, um, how did you make that happen? I, I was literally copying and pasting from a web page, 
um, reformatting to an Excel file, um, had to assign random you know, ID numbers to each rider, sort them, and then use call out um, you know, queries to pull their, their finish times and calculate overall times. And then Frank um, had to hand calculate all of the KOM and sprint points. Gotta talk to Colin, cross results. We get zwiftresults.com. Start compiling this stuff. You know, what's funny is we actually talked with a good friend of mine after, uh, after Joe Martin about our next event. And uh, he does a Virginia series um, and it's called a bandit series because he just attaches his name to an existing event and has people put, you know, he gets their Zwift IDs and then he just pulls from Zwift powers API based off their Zwift IDs and it auto calculates for them. And I was like, Oh, to use that just the thing where you you join a race and then like everybody that's in the race that you're in this waits like a minute for everybody else to go uh they so and then you start they they all start at the same time but the key is everyone has to wear the same jersey and it's some random jersey that they select so you can be aware of who you're racing against and then they recommend is the virtual bar is what they call it so v bar so they recommend in parentheses you put v bar in your name so you can see on the roster as you're racing on this ticker, you can see who is uh who you're racing against. Sounds like the uh, proof of concept of the open invite race, just on Zwift. <laughs> so did you guys also have to herd everyone into signing up for Z Power? Was this part of the the race the racing? How many? I mean, how many people failed at that? <laughs> Not not many, but that was that was a massive reason for needing to have the managers meeting. You know, to be able to use Zoom, um, to be able to screen share, to show here's how you do it, here's what it looks like, and then to record those meetings and being able to link the recordings of the managers' meetings out to the communiques. So there was per event there was probably six to eight communiques that we sent out as well. So communication was really constant um, the week of and the day. And the, the, the 20 to 30 emails a day we each received leading up to the event. So Kevin, you were kind of involved with it. This sounds like this, that these guys did a lot more than the like virtual tour de France. I mean, the way that Leah was describing it, no? Well, I would say like Leah, I, oh, when, I think, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, when Leah's, focus you know she has a team manager and she's an athlete so like part of you know nicole's job is to make sure lee doesn't have to do very much she just gets focused on being as fast as possible so i'm sure nicole probably had to do a ton with swift for all that and that was kind of sheltered um, yeah that's a good point but i mean it was very impressive it was 50, the amount of stuff he did it was, it was, oh it was yeah 50, it was 55 to 60 hours of race um that we put into it i believe it absolutely yeah, no, it was not just like a, a random thing. It was, it was all those were very well done, and there was a lot of thought and effort was put in. You know, in like you know, doing promo things and trying to get coverage and talking about it and sharing it and like all the things you need to do to make it a, you know, a, a real event as possible. Well, uh, my my message to everybody was, it's only as professional as we make it, right? Like, if if we don't if we don't want if we don't present ourselves as professionals in a professional event, then it's not. And if we do, then it is like but it's, it's what we make it. And I think you guys have really set the bar for what stage races are on Zwift because even Zwift HQ, like with Tour de France, that was two events and then a week off, two events and then a week off. 
Um, and then all the community stuff is one event a week, every, every week or whatever. And this is the first time that I've seen actual back to back to back races, which I think is a much preferable format. The whole shit did your legs feel it too. That's that's, you knew you were doing a stage race. You know, that's what I was going to say is, you know, so uh, during the Joe Martin and Gila races, my girlfriend and I both raced them. uh, And she's never, like I said, never raced real life before, but we, for Gila, we got done with day one. We got done with day two, day three, we wake up and we're eating breakfast and it's like three or four hours before our race. And she looks at me, she's like, I feel like garbage. And I was like, do you feel like you she was like I've been hit by a truck I said welcome to stage racing because that's that's what it is by day three you know it's I said is the real life feeling in the in the virtuals with stage race feeling like they're even though the virtual stage races are shorter stages there's such a higher intensity just like every Swift race that you know it's you get that same worn out I've been run over 20 times you know by by day three really 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 makes you miss real life racing well and that and that and then but then if you think about it in swift power look at the, the top ranked racers in the world look at their results what they do almost every single day they're hitting ftp 20 minute power five minute power one minute power peaks nearly every single day for years some of these guys unfortunately they're never going to reach their full potential because of that though you know i they're mean really it's actually, they're, they're the most they're the most potential they're the best in the world <laughs> It's just, it's doing them a disservice of what their full potential of an athlete. Really good at riding one hour, really hard. I, I think I've noticed that, and we've talked about it on our team, like everybody came off of winter and started doing the long outside rides. And we're all like, oh my gosh, we can't, I, I'm exhausted after two hours. What's going on? Now you know what it's like. I remember. Now you know what it's like to race cyclocross. Yeah. By the time like I tried to do an endurance ride in October last year, and it was the hardest three-hour like zone two ride of my life. I was dying. I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> oh, so uh, I was gonna say like now that you guys have done this, kind of said like you you set the bar for what stage races are. Do you have any like lesson learned? Like what? What do you wish you would have known going into this? Yeah. Um, well, let me preface it with this. We're not done. Um, but we can't tell you what's next yet. There are, not, there's certain not, events that go on in Wisconsin that I am highly suspicious of, but. <laughs> but, but, we're, but we're not done. And we will, we'll, you'll see us again. But yeah, I think the biggest thing is there's more stakeholders that want to be involved. Um, and we, you know, we did this all on a very, very short timeline. Um, you know, what we wish we could have done and we will be doing with what's next is having a, a well thought out and planned calendar that will allow teams and athletes to properly prepare and communicate and be ready. Um, and do their homework. Um, and it'll allow us to involve more stakeholders to a higher degree. Um, and I think that that is, that's the calculus that needs to happen in order for us to truly achieve our goal of elevating the cycling platform in North America and on an international scale. If we can, if we can do that, um, 
I think we've got a, a winning formula. There's going to be a lot of iterations along the way, but we'll be on the right track. So does that mean like you're during the summer in addition to regular road races? I mean like having a winter calendar for things? Do you mean other pro teams? You mean more sponsors? Do you mean more? I'll give you, so we'll, we'll give you this. We'll give you, um, there'll be a winter calendar coming out. Um, that'll happen. Um, and there will be some intermittent events throughout the year that align with in real life events. They may be community events, Fondo events, possibly some racing events um, during dead times of the North American calendar. So like 365 days of the year? It, but, it, but, it, but, it, <laughs> but it won't be, it won't be like going to, to the Zwift Companion app right now, right? And seeing, hey, there's 15 events I could do in the next three hours. Um, it's going to, like, that, that's not compelling enough. We, like, we need something that people want to follow. It's predictable. They know when they can watch it. All of those well, things. and, so that's, that's what and we also, right, we don't, we don't want to burn the racers out. We don't want, we want to be able to give a predictable calendar ahead of time so that teams that are participating can say, we're going to do these events through the winter. We can plan and train for these events if we want to. And, and, it's not, you know, they're not racing every Wednesday night or every Saturday for, you know, eight weeks to to the point where they're like, why am I, why am I doing this? I'm, I'm exhausted. I, you know, I'm not, and, and you see the attendance wane off. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like participation in, in regular events and cycling where, you know, people say, okay, you know, I have, I'm going to do Dirty Kanza and that's my big event for the race where I'm going to do Redlands and then the pro crit series and, or you can say crit series and like people have, have a thing that they want to do. They don't want all of the things forever, you know, that are like a thing that you need to go for. And as a Zwifter, I know personally, like the things that excite me the most are the bigger, like, you know, Redlands really excited me. And like, you know, when they do the big grant, they do these grand fondos of various difficulties and, and and they'll do one day there's like eight of them over the course of the day and they're really long and you know usually you're full of z power dudes and things like that but like they're the most fun for me like i get to do a long road race on zwift or whatever especially in the winter months when it happens like, it'd be nice to see it mass start massive like this is the this is this this is the the big this is our dirty cons of uh, oop, i shouldn't that's I don't that not that the DK. <laughs> yeah, ah, I gotta curse train word. myself because it's terrible. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um yeah, the uh yeah, the the the, the marquee events. I, I will echo that and maybe give you guys some ideas. Uh the Fondo series that Swift ran and kind of gave up on this spring. I don't know. I know. I think it's it's a bummer. it was kind of a bummer. Those were great. But those were like I I agree, those were awesome. They were something I could set the calendar to. And it was like a three-hour, two-and-a-half-hour, three-hour event that was good. And it was That's like why a, I suggest them to you guys. Can you guys yes. take the take the helm on those? They're, they're very participatory. <laughs> Get all the people involved. You know, like uh, as a kind of an offshoot. Get the community involved. More people, certainly with veterans. Write, write a letter to your congressman. Let us know what it does. <laughs> It's probably equally effective with Zwift, yeah. You know, that's actually, you know, it's funny you talk about the longer events because one of the big things that we've been trying to dial in is for stage races and one-day races, what are the prime distances or, or times of racing, right? How long do people want to race? And what's not, what's too short and what's too long? Um, and, and, you know, we did do 
one of the big things that we did at the after Joe Martin was we did a big uh, survey for all the race directors, all the riders, uh, all the race promoters to kind of gauge what the community thought would be ideal. Um, and I, Eric, I'll let you talk to it. I don't really remember the. I think it was. Yeah, ninety minutes with a maximum of two hours. Like nobody wanted to go over that, but uh, ninety. Um, 90 to 100 minutes was ideal for a road race. And then um, for a criterium, uh, 45 to 55 minutes. Um, they thought that getting to an hour, it just started to feel more and more like a road race. And you just ended up with a group of, of you know, 20 people at the front um, that were technically like, broke, you know, broken away from the rest of the field. So uh, they had some really good insights. Um, but we also, I think, in relation to that survey, had some really positive feedback that reaffirmed that people wanted this to continue. Um, and they saw a lot of positive um, opportunities from it, from, from all perspectives, sponsor perspectives, inner team perspectives and competitive perspectives. And, and getting back to, I think you guys discussed it in your second episode, you know, what we're trying to do, not only put on races for the racers, I, you know what? I work from home. I ride the trainer and I ride by myself outside. So I have a lot of time to listen to podcasts. Uh, I've been catching up on yours, uh, Tim and Spencer and little guys, uh, because they've slept on my couch more or quite a bit. Um, we appreciate so, you listening to across the, uh, the wide angle podium network. Well, and, so. and Bill Shiken lives like eight blocks from me or something so oh, wow okay with his, um, his deep build striking voice you can probably hear him somewhere <laughs> but but um you know w one of the things we we want to accomplish not just with putting races on for the racers right it's making making the racing compelling try to figure out how to make racing virtual racing more compelling so that people want to watch it well so that's one thing that we kind of noticed when we were looking at uh in the radio swift green room we were chatting about which i always joke means twitter dms um but we were talking about how like you know for the the tour de france they cut vento in half so leah when she was on she thought that they were going to race the whole thing because they climbed to the top but you know they were trying to keep it at like an hour so they're trying to balance it seems like what people want to tune into but I wonder if you're doing a road race, if you're starting to get up into two hours, like then fitness matters more and endurance, the ability to do these efforts over and over. So, you know, I don't know. I'm just curious to hear what you guys think in terms of how that plays. Cause like, right. We all know how a crit's going to play out. It's going to come down to a sprint, like every single one, um, you know, it's just inevitable, but I wonder, you know, balancing, striking that balance, also making it what the racers want to do, but also you're trying to sell media and get people to, to watch. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think the, well, a couple of things as far as watchability we we're really happy with our viewership numbers like they were pretty excellent and um over 85 percent of people watch for more than three minutes which is way higher than the standard that youtube uses to say you know a viewer um of, of something so uh, we we're we were happy with that and, and people that watched it said that they really valued it um but you know when when we talk about the length and and all of that like the zwift algorithm the way it works like and you get into two hours and of really doing an FTP test, and it 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 just doesn't um, create compelling racing, in my opinion. Like, there's a point 
of like no return, like kind of the, this X where like, you know, 90 minutes is where people still have it in their legs to put in one last punch and like gut it out. Right. But you start getting to two hours and like, now it's just people pushing as hard as they can for as long as they can with no real ability to attack and create a dynamic race scenario. Uh, I would argue that if it, as it gets longer, though, you then actually have enough fatigue where people can get dropped, where like you can't keep doing it, doing it. And now you start having action, like people who have the best legs can actually attack and try to get away. The pack can't chase. That happens in the Fondos. So after you get about an hour and a half in, you can actually have breakaways because finally people can't do an FTP anymore. If, if you remember right, there was 10 people left at the end of the last stage of Tour of the Gila. There was... I think 18 people left in the last stage of Joel Martin on the, on the Richmond course. Um, so those are very selective courses. They, they were right. So Statistic, we also five laps of Richmond. You're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, we also put together courses where we knew like they were going to select themselves at that point. Well, I was kind of thinking along the same lines as Kevin, cause it seems like a short, you know, like a 30 minute race, anyone can go hammer, but it's, I don't know, like, you know, even like say on a, the box hill, like maybe even I could hang in in a race that Kevin is doing for one, not two, not three and not four. So I guess maybe I was thinking along those lines. Yeah. And that's when we did the London loop, we did three times up box hill. Yeah. I made it twice. Third time. Yeah. <laughs> that was the genesis of this podcast. This, did we yeah. broadcast that race? Was that, was that one of the we, ones we yeah. did? Okay. Yeah. We watched yeah. Kevin get dropped at the very top so yeah so kevin oh, had... no, that was the pro-am one that was a pro-am oh, one where oh. i made it over the top and somebody opened the gap and i was gone yeah oh but david talbot who's amazing oh. also broke his collarbone running outside. are you sure that wasn't the richmond race where we were just rolling along and you were like it's all right the downhill's coming up and then you look and there's a three second gap on the downhill and we're like our race is over 14 such a new four, mistake 14 minutes i can't in. believe i did that Terrible. I think it was like Cormac McKeough was back there with us and one of the Legion guys. And it was like a select group of like, Oh yeah. Drake Duell yeah. and um, Matt Steffens. Yeah. Uh, at least I got to talk to Matt Steffens about uh, dirty cons and Ted King. And DK. Of them DK. A bit about arrow bars. DK you said the bad word. I did it again. <laughs> oh, someone needs to go listen, someone needs to, go listen to Grodio uh, to, to make sure that he's up on stuff oh yeah didn't we have yeah we talked just not smart okay enough. we talked about that on i think episode two your your chit chat with matt stevens so yeah we're sometimes good things happen from being a bad swifter we're, we're excited that you know we i think we've really kind of for no more than than the the love of the sport right like we just want to see bike racing grow in mass like not zwift racing not e-racing but bike racing, all of it, you know, if we can get more people racing virtually and that leads to more people racing outside, then, you know, we've, we've done, you know, one of our missions. Um, and I think the greatest compliment Frank and I got came yesterday from Nathan, where he said, whether or not what you do in the future going forward is successful or it all falls apart. From where we stand today, you guys have forever changed the trajectory of virtual racing i was like i mean coming from coming from him um that i was like all right that like that's a compliment that that i couldn't ask for for something nicer to be said about the events that we put on definitely brought life into kind of a 
lifeless <laughs> competition sometimes. Yeah, but. you're the first people to try to bridge together the outdoor racing scene with the indoor racing scene saying, hey, we can do this thing. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. Well, and Kevin, 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 you know, in a t true Radio Zwift snark form, you know, joked about the North American racing scene being dead. Um, but it seems like there is, to me, is an opportunity, especially given that it is much easier to broadcast these races too. You know, I think TV is a huge part. So, you know, what kind of feedback were you getting from teams, from sponsors in terms of uh, the exposure, I guess, you know, I, cause I could see this being like a winner, you know, you talked about the winner, like that's another season that sponsors could get exposure for. And if you play it right, like you could write that into your, you know, your sponsor pitch. That that's exactly our goal right there. You just said it. And, and interestingly enough, like out of our survey, one of the things was how much exposure were you guys able to get out of our live streams, out of the racing itself, the virtual racing. And it was, I think it was something like 61% said they got more exposure from our virtual races than they do real life races. They got more engagement social media wise and, and sponsor engagement than they do from in real life. It had to do with accessibility though, right? It had to do with the fact that a rider could take a selfie of themselves in their pain cave and put it out. It had the, the had to do with the fact that, I mean, the live stream was readily accessible to everybody. Um, so a lot of it had to do with that. But on top of those 61% that said that, um, I think it was some 80% said that their sponsors found a high level of value in in them competing in the events. Um, so to your, to your point earlier, you know, it, it really did benefit all, all of the stakeholders. Now we need more race camps. Well, exactly. I, we, I was going to say part about the, the Tour de France one is we could see all of the people racing. Right. We need more. Race I, camps. I think I was going to say, going back to Mike's question of lessons learned coming out of this. Um, and I think again, Kevin, I think you talked, mentioned it a couple podcasts ago where I think what, the the one thing we could really I would do go back and and improve is uh, more webcams on riders because people people like seeing racers hurting. That's I mean I think Nicola or said that last week. Um, basically, that that was one of the big things with like the Tour de France coverage is they would cut to the grid of all the riders and it was like you could see what was going on. You could see who was hurting, who wasn't hurting. And it, it added that extra layer on top of just watching avatars bump into each we need, other. We need, maybe the next Volkler is out there in the Zwift world, throwing down the best pain face. <laughs> Volkler tongue. I love that. That's a good idea. Well, cool. Well, I think we're coming up on about an hour and we, we try to keep it that way. So it fits in a nice, you know, uh, crit city crit, uh, if you're racing the A's. <laughs> I don't know, you know, like that good sweet spot of an hour Zwift race. Cause you know, who doesn't want to just listen to a podcast while they're racing? Well, not me. I can tell you that. <laughs> no offense taken. <laughs> trust me. No, no. Uh, well, cool. Well, uh, guys, thanks so much for coming on. It's been awesome to see, you know, like these guys said, the life that you guys are bringing to the, the racing scene in this rather bleak 2020 uh, that we've, we've faced here. So yeah, thanks so much for for joining us, gentle dudes. Mike, Kevin, do you guys have uh, anything else? Mike, you want to you want to plead your case one more time? Well, well, you've got Eric. Please, 
let us in. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> their name is Dropouts. They either drop out or they yeah. lose their connection. I, you know, I just can't trust a guy like the name like that. Sounds kind of sketchy to me. Sounds sketchy. No, we actually we had um, a few of our members were on real life teams. So like we had Andy Turner from no, Swift, yeah, Swift Army yeah. Pro and Austin Van Heusen. Forget his team, sorry, but um, uh, he's all right. Right. you're gonna have to, he's super, right. yeah. go do the, the outdoor power tests uh, for me, and uh, you could submit the, the the mountain loop in your 20 minute power, and I'll if it passes, I'll send it along. But you got to make guys. sure when you do, you have to do the outdoor test, and then you have to do the three sisters test, and live stream live stream the calibration of all your stuff, and then live stream the test. Just what one, one of our guys. One of our guys was going to, you know, do one of the pro-am races and uh, you have to do that power test in a 5% average gradient. You say, I live in Iowa. There is not a 5% average gradient within 200 miles of me. Like Mal literally, Mallory, where am I going to Mallory and I drove three and a half hours to get to a climb that was 25 minutes long so she could do her power test. Oh man. That's like the problem with all that. That's something for another uh, episode yeah. of Radio yeah. Zwift. <laughs> plenty of stuff to say there but um yeah plead my case i you know my case i know your case <laughs> i know your case, know your case. and yeah. to uh to kind of sweeten the deal where can we find you on social media uh yeah uh you can find us at project echelon racing um on both instagram and facebook or project echelon racing.com um and so we, you know, we try to be active. We, we think we have a positive message to share. Um, most of our stuff is, is well aligned to our mission and vision as a, as a nonprofit. And um, we'd love for you to, to join us and, and follow us and uh, be a part of our story. Well, and to add on to that, to add value to your shareholders, uh, you can go back and watch all these races because they still exist on YouTube. And, so and Twitch. Go check them out. And Twitch, yeah. Well, cool. Well, thanks, gents. We appreciate it. Thanks for uh, thanks yeah, for thank you so stopping much. by. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us. Thank you, and uh, continued success. Good luck with uh, with the podcast. We're up to five episodes now. Who knows? We may get to like we may get to like seven. <laughs> there you go. Love it. All right. Take care, guys.